Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Introduction to Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales, Book 1, Chapter 7, The Second Purification from All Sinful Affections. All the children of Israel went forth from the land of Egypt, but not all went forth heartily. And so when wandering in the desert, some of them sighed after the leeks and onions, the flesh pots of Egypt. Even so, there are penitents who forsake sin, yet without forsaking their sinful affections. That is to say, they intend to sin no more, but it goes sorely against them to abstain from the pleasures of sin. They formally renounce and forsake sinful acts, but they turn back, many a fond lingering. But they turn back, many a fond lingering look to what they have left, like Lot's wife as she fled from Sodom. They are like a sick man who abstains from eating melon when the doctor says it would kill him, but who all the while longs for it, talks about it, bargains when he may have it, would at least just like to sniff the perfume and thinks those who are free to eat of it very fortunate. And so these weak, cowardly penitents abstain a while from sin, but reluctantly. They would fain be able to sin without incurring damnation. They talk with a lingering taste of their sinful deeds and envy those who are yet indulging in the like. Thus a man who has meditated some revenge gives it up in confession, but soon after he is to be found talking about the quarrel, averring that but for the fear of God, he would do this or that, complaining that it's hard to keep the divine rule of forgiveness. Would to God it were lawful to avenge oneself. Who can fail to see that even if this poor man is not actually committing sin, he is altogether bound with the affections thereof. And although he may have come out of Egypt, yet he hungers after it and longs for the leeks and onions he was wont to feed upon there. It is the same with the women who though she has given up her life of sin, it takes delight in being sought after and admired. Alas, of a truth, all such are in great peril. Be sure, my daughter, that if you seek to lead a devout life, you must not merely forsake sin, but you must further cleanse your heart from all affections pertaining to sin. For to say nothing of the danger of a relapse, these wretched affections will perpetually enfeeble your mind and clog it so that you will be unable to be diligent, ready, and frequent in good works, wherein nevertheless lies the very essence of all true devotion. Souls which, in spite of having forsaken sin, yet retain such likings and longings, remind us of those persons who, without being actually ill or pale and sickly, languid in all they do, 
eating without appetite, sleeping without refreshment, laughing without mirth, dragging themselves about rather than walking briskly. Such souls, as I have described, lose all the grace of their good deeds, which are probably few and feeble, through their spiritual languor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God are guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. What are the two main biblical examples in this chapter? The first is Egypt. What's he talking about here? He's, of course, talking about the liberation from slavery in Egypt. When God set his people free, when Moses, after all those plagues, finally was allowed to take the people out of Egypt, he was to take them into the desert with all their belongings they could worship God. And then what happens? They get to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh changes his mind. And comes after them with all his horses, all his chariots, his charioteers. And the people get terrified. Miracles happen. Now they're terrified. And God puts a cloud between them and the Egyptians. And he tells Moses, tell the people to stand still. I will get the victory. The winds blow, the winds blow, the winds blow, the sea departs open. And Moses leads the people across the sea to the other side. The clouds remove, the Egyptians see what's happening, and they charge after into the midst of these walls of water. And then their heavy chariots get clogged, the wheels get stuck, and the water flows back over them. And there the people of Israel are on the other side and they see their enemies, the people that had terribly enslaved them, brutally hurt them, killed all their children, washing up on the shore. And they begin to sing. They are, they're truly set free. And of course, this is like baptism, right? Where this whole story is a metaphor for baptism in which we are in the slavery of sin. We are under the slavery of not physical Pharaoh, but the devil. We are set free by going through the water. We have to go into the waters of baptism and all our enemies are wiped away. We get to the freedom of the other side. But then what happens? And this is what the whole, this whole chapter is about. The people begin to complain. What do they say they want? They want the onions and the leeks. I mean, they were in terrible conditions in slavery. And yet, there were some pleasures they miss. And they begin to long to go back to slavery. And this is exactly what happens after we're converted, after we're baptized, after we 
make the general confession, which we have a second baptism, as it were, with tears. Our sins are washed away, either in the waters of baptism or the tears of penance. And yet we're like those people. They're, that's us. Wanting to go back, thinking what it was like to be in that situation, that's it, that relationship, those kind of things. And our heart is still attached. No sinful acts, yes. But we want to go back. And this is what he calls the sinful affections. Those inclinations, those desires for your old way of life, the life of slavery to sin, it still grips us. And that's what he's talking about in this chapter and the next chapter about how to purify us of that. Because otherwise, we're not going to live the devout life. The devout life is a life where we don't want to go back to sin. That was a terrible life. It was, yes, there were some things that were good, but, but on the whole, we were the slaves of our emotions. We were the slaves of sin. Jesus Christ has set us free. We're living a life of friendship with him. And this is way better. And he gives us the strength of the Eucharist, like God gave them the manna for that journey from the desert to the, to the promised land. And he leads us by the pillar of fire, that is the Holy Spirit through confirmation to be our guide. This is what we have to focus on. And finally, the second spirit, scriptural example is Lot's wife. She looks back. God told him, don't look back. Go forward, press forward. And so we too must be very careful about wasting time looking back. Yes, memories will come. Yes, things will happen. Sometimes someone will come, try to come back into our life or we'll be tempted. Oh, just go see what it's like. No, do not do that. Go forward. Go forward with the strength that God gives us. Go forward in the strength of our baptism. Go forward in the strength of the confession we've made. And above all, we go forward with the Eucharist. Let the dead bury their dead. God is calling us to something higher, something more wonderful. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.